Thanks, Count Corla. And Minister, no disrespect to yourself, but I think it's absolutely shameful that the Minister for Justice isn't here again for the opening slots or the completion of the opening slots on yet another important piece of legislation. I'm particularly concerned, given the fact that she had 30 minutes to speak on this issue yesterday, chose to speak for 15 and didn't even bother finishing a speech which was written for her or in terms of reading that into the record. And to me, it indicates a very cavalier attitude of the government towards critically important issues of civil liberties because what she attempted to do in her opening remarks was perpetuate the idea that repression can be terrorism. And I have to ask myself, have ye really learned nothing? Repression doesn't stop terrorism. In fact, repression spawns terrorism, and the facts prove it. The Minister talked last night about the rise of ISIS, about the fact that 80% of European foreign fighters are engaged in activity with ISIS. But where did ISIS come from? It obviously came from the illegal invasion of Iraq, of the decimation of the populations there. A breeding ground for it comes from the breakup of Libya, the interference in the civil war in Syria and so on. This is the roots of your terrorism. And unless those issues are taken on board, we can never really have a situation of world peace. The minister talked about Turkey being a main route into the combat areas of Syria and Iraq. Why are these combat areas? Because the West went in and invaded them and destabilised them for their own interests. And I think when we see the provisions made previously, which are added to in this bill, we know for sure that civil liberties and Big Brother watching us is not in any way making the world a safer place. In actual fact, it's probably uh, a more dangerous place. And to listen to the minister talk about those who are seeking to destroy our democratic society, I mean, what democratic society is that? Is that the one where people vote for uh, a government who say they'll do one thing and then come into office and do the other? Is it a democracy across the EU that allows the people of Greece to vote for a different government and then basically tries to blackmail that government uh, against fulfilling its election promises? Or is it the democracy that Fianna Fáil want to protect when we listen to the Fianna Fáil spokesperson last night talking about being concerned about the safety of Irish citizens from returning radicalised combatants. The same Fianna Fáil who facilitated the active use of Shannon Airport by the US military. I mean, it's just, it's just beyond a, a joke at this stage. Now, this bill is obviously transposing into Irish law the EU Council uh, directive. And as other speakers have said, it introduces three new offences, prov provocation, recruitment and training for terrorism. But of course, the bill itself is amending the Criminal Justice Terrorist Offences Act of 05 but still contains all the blithe and widely sweeping definitions of terrorism that are contained in the original uh, Act, which says stuff like the acts which might unduly compel a government or organisation to perform or abstain from doing something, but of course no definition whatsoever of what makes that compulsion undue. We might have acts that might seriously destabilise the political or economic structures of the state, but no attempts to come to grips with how we define such destabilisation. So it really begs the question then, is protest or civil disobedience something that might fall under a definition of destabilising the state? Obviously the government will say, oh no, no, don't worry about that. But of course we should be worried about that because, you know, there is some serious hypocrisy here about introducing further measures 
measures to combat terrorism when on a daily basis we facilitate terrorism at Shannon. The government has been happily complicit in US wars of imperial aggression throughout the past decade and beyond. Illegal wars which were carried out. And let's look at the Act of 05 and look at some of the definitions. That Act talks about seriously intimidating populations. It talks about unduly compelling governments to perform acts. Wars which have seriously destabilised and destroyed the fundamental political, constitutional, economic and social structures of a variety of states. Does that not meet the criteria of the actions of the US military in whole parts of the globe or indeed the actions of NATO? It fits perfectly with the definition of terrorist activity in the original act. But of course, we're not really talking about that here now because we have one law for one uh, type of terrorist and another rule for all the other types of terrorists, which is just simply not good enough. The state particularly large imperial states, have a taken-for-granted monopoly to engage in violent military activity, regardless of its extra-legality. In fact, they're even kind of encouraged to do it. So I think that's absolutely crazy. And of course, that repression is maintained in the new Act. I think one of the most troubling aspects of the bill is the new offence of public provocation to commit a terrorist offence. I mean, you've got to say, the potential for abuse of this is absolutely uh, rampant. I mean, particularly given that it encourages not just directly encouraging the commission of a terrorist act, but indirectly encouraging it. So someone might say, oh, I'm sorry about that now. I committed that act because I read something somewhere where I thought somebody meant I should do it. I mean, seriously, uh, is this what we're talking about? Uh, you know, could we, for example, see that saying publicly that Palestinians, Iraqis, Afghans have the right to resist occupation and aggression through armed struggle? Uh, could that be construed as public provocation? Somebody who, who targets uh, by direct action against corporations, government policies and intergovernment organisations like the EU. Could that fall under the remit of this new bill and this new definition of terrorism? I mean, let's face it, I mean, this is so broad and such an evasion or an, an invasion of, of our public uh, and civil liberties. I mean, it even envisages a charge of public provocation could be brought even when no terrorist offence was committed. I mean, what does this mean for free speech? I mean, are we really going to put into law something that says somebody could be prosecuted for an offence that doesn't even take place? This is how ludicrous and broad this legislation is. Now, I've no doubt that the government will tell us, don't be worrying about it. This doesn't cover civil disobedience or stuff like this. Uh, that couldn't be deemed to be. Somebody who sits down in front of a minister's car in a housing estate in Tala, that couldn't possibly come under provocation. Well, one of your backbenchers thought that the activities of anti-water charges protesters were akin to that of ISIS. So if this bill is about ISIS, what's to say it can't be used against Irish citizens? And we have to look at uh, the use of anti-provocation laws uh, internationally, where cases like uh, Enola Fatul Ayev from Azerbaijan, who was convicted for incitement to terrorism in 07. He got an eight and a half year sentence for writing an article about his country's support of US policies in Iran. I mean, is this the direction that we're going on? And even if it isn't, it does create a chilling effect where people will self-centre 
and assuring people that that's not the case won't stop somebody from thinking, well, I don't want to be the first one who's going to be prosecuted under this. So it will stifle dissent and it will stifle opposition and alternative opinion. And I think it is a radically uh, disproportionate response to what is an overstated terrorist threat. Now, the last figures on terrorism, the European Union terrorism situation and trend report in 2014. How many terrorist attacks were there in Ireland in 2013? None. How many religiously inspired terrorist attacks in the EU in 2013? None. In fact, the vast majority of them took place uh, by separatist groups in, for example, France and Spain, which us passing this legislation here would have absolutely no impact on whatsoever. So it's, it's a ludicrous response to a situation which has been caused by uh, Western interference in the first place. And I think we have to be really uh, clear and strong on these matters. I mean, international human rights law requires that any interference with a human right has to be necessary and proportionate. And interference with freedom of expression will be deemed to be necessary only if it fulfills a pressing social need. Where is the pressing social need in this situation? Under the European Convention on Human Rights, states have a certain margin uh, to decide in whether or not to curb uh, freedom of expression through legislating to prohibit speech which seeks to incite or provoke terrorist acts uh, is, is necessary according to circumstances and laws of each country. I don't think there's any pressing need there. The so-called threat of Islamic terrorism has been exploited across the EU and internationally to curtail freedom, to abuse human rights, to expand the scope of state security, to increase surveillance on citizens, to militarise everyday life, to restrict freedom of movement uh, from the enemy within. And has it made the world a safer place? It certainly hasn't, because the world is more unstable now than it ever was because of interference and destabilisation, not because of insufficient repressive legislation.